everybody. It's an abbreviated edition of the Fan Drive Time Sportsnet 590. The Fan, I'm Ben Ennis. Blue Jays with the day game today after 4 o'clock. The finale of this three-game series, the finale of the six-game West Coast road trip for the Blue Jays. You say Kikuchi versus Tony Gonsolin. And yeah, the Blue Jays do still have a chance to split this six-game road trip. But man, they've let a few games slip through their fingers, none more than yesterday. Blow a four-run lead in the ninth inning, as you well know. Or maybe you don't. Like Maybe you didn't stay up to almost 2 o'clock for the last two nights to watch the Blue Jays and uh, Dodgers do battle in extra innings. Uh, first time, though, they've blown a, uh, blown a four-run lead in the ninth inning since 2011. Doesn't happen often. And when it does, it's devastating. Eric Swanson, he's been so reliable this season. Um, and, yeah, when you blow a four-run lead in the ninth inning, a lot of things have to go wrong, including, like, mysterious bounces uh, almost over Matt Chapman's head and yada, yada, yada. But uh, yeah, just like everybody else in that bullpen, Eric Swanson's been overworked fourth outing in the last six days for him, but not great. And then it ends with Mitch White, who is on the roster out of necessity, right? He was a guy uh, acquired uh, last season via trade out of options. So they can't send him down. Boy, would they yeah, love white, to. You no, know? I'm yeah, white. Yeah, yeah. W-H-I-T. That's his name. That's, e. yeah. Yeah, okay. It's a long little clip there, isn't it? Um, he stinks. Like, at no point in the last two years, and boy, I, I had a lot of time for Mitch White coming out of the gates. I thought, boy, nice little acquisition, uh, versatility, some, some rotation insurance. At no point over the last two seasons, as a member of the Toronto Blue Jays, has he looked major league caliber. Certainly not at all this season. Didn't look major league caliber in the minor leagues when they decided, oh, yeah, no, we can't have this guy as a starting pitcher for us we can barely have him as a reliever for us um but he's on the roster because if he's not you expose him to waivers and everybody's got a a, a chance to pick him up and you did acquire him in trade well with with an eight-man bullpen you can quite often get through games without mitch white pitching in leverage but sometimes you can't like yesterday and it's only one game and Mitch White was in an impossible situation, I get it, where one run wins the game in extra innings in the bottom half where the, the ghost runner starts on second base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could have been Nate Pearson. Could have been Zach Pop. But no, because Mitch White was traded for out of options. He gets into the game. Blue Jays lose it. He's not the only reason why. But I, I will say that it did leave a lasting impression in my mind watching him walk off the mound after giving up uh, what was almost a walk-off home run, but not quite. Let's talk to Shai Davidi, Sportsnet, sportsnet.ca. How's it going, buddy? Long time no talk. How's your summer? Uh, it's been all right. How about yours, Ben? Good. I just uh, had uh, two weeks vacation, which is it's a lot. It's a long time, but it was, it was uh, enjoyable. I feel refreshed. How, what's your freshness level? Like, are you, let's say, uh, scale of uh, 1 to 10, are you, I know you're in Cooperstown, so you're grinding. Like, are you... Let's let's set it at six and a half. Over under six and a half for freshness uh, for Shai Davidi. Uh, over, but oh, uh, the dog days are the dog days loom. So uh, we're gonna get uh, probably get, uh, maybe dip under under a little bit, and then have to get a little bit of a reset for the pick me up for the home stretch. But uh, it's always a good time. It's a fun time of year. A lot of a lot of great stuff going on. Yeah. And obviously, a lot of intrigue with uh, with the trade deadline looming and a lot of big decisions around the majors coming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just days away from the Blue Jays acquiring Shohei Otani, which we'll get to in, in a second. But let's let's start with the thing that, that I cherry-picked from yesterday's game. There's so much to talk about. And, 
man, we can talk about the bullpen in general also after that. But the Mitch White thing, Shy, I get it. Like, I, I understand that you don't just throw assets away if you don't have to, right? But this is a team trying to not just win a World Series. They're trying to make the playoffs, right? And, and we can talk about the goal of the division title being once again within their, their reach. But at what point does the asset management and, and the Mitch White of it all, you know, is, is that superseded by that guy's actually taking up a roster spot that you could use? And, and for the first time this season, it must be said, came home to roost. But, yeah, it might not be the last. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think you're, the premise of what you're saying is right. And the the thing is, there is, like, Mitch White can be a contributor. And the thing is, he needs runway, right? He needs innings to try to get himself right. He's been chasing a season right from the get-go. And when you don't have an option, it makes it really tough because he really should be building up and finding – his velocity, his release points, mechanics, all that stuff, he should be finding it down at AAA right now. But you can't make that happen without risking losing him to waivers and someone else may pluck him. And that, that's, that's the challenge because like, he, he can, down the road, certainly be someone that becomes a contributor. How significant a contributor, don't know, but he has hauled innings. He has started to some degree of success in the big leagues before. And that's an asset that you don't want to just throw away. The thing is, as you mentioned, the Blue Jays are at a point where you just can't carry it that carry that anymore. And Eric Swanson's at 48 appearances already this year. Meza, Jimmy Garcia, they're at 46 apiece. Uh, Trevor Richards is already over 51 innings. A lot of guys on this team have carried a very heavy load, and the Blue Jays have to find a way to better distribute some of those innings, uh, just because. You know, there are going to be times you're asking guys to pitch that often. They're going to have nights like Eric Swanson had last night where there's just not a lot in the tank and you're trying to compete, but it's a good lineup and they're not going to let you off the hook. So, you know, I do think that a lot of uh, or the next steps for Mitch White probably involve the trade deadline and seeing what comes up there. Mm-hmm. And maybe he can be a piece of a, of a deal going back to with, with another team where he goes back somewhere, kind of like the – maybe the, akin to the, the way the Blue Jays used Max Castillo a year ago, pinning him with Samad Taylor and turning that into Whit Merrifield. Uh, or maybe or, or maybe it just he ends up having to give up a roster spot. But it, it's very much getting to that point now where, you know, every game really, really matters, and the Blue Jays are going to have to make some tough decisions to fully leverage their roster. Yeah, th- this bullpen is overworked right now, and and there were so many guys down yesterday, including Jordan Romano, and and honestly, Eric Swanson should have been, but just out of necessity, they had to use him, and clearly, like the wear and tear was starting to show on him. He, he had like a good stretch of games where he had scoreless outings, headed towards yesterday, and it wasn't all bad, man. Holy cow, a lot of those uh, infield hits um, were just bizarre, and and he got baseballed a little bit. Are you surprised though? And I know it's it sucks. Baseball, uh, like for a um, a middle reliever guy with options, it can be difficult. But there are guys in this bullpen right now, and Jay Jackson is the guy that I'm looking at, despite the fact that, man, he pitched so well in two innings in, in game one of this series, and Arden Zwelling with a great job reporting on uh, his premature baby that, that his family's dealing with as well. But, yeah, like from a pure baseball sense, couldn't they have – added a fresh arm yesterday like I, I i guess i don't know if nate pearson's been down 10 days i guess probably not but you know bowden francis is is still on the the 40 man so zach pop there's there's available relievers are you surprised they didn't freshen up the bullpen a little bit before yesterday not really i mean 
I, I get like the, the principle of what you're saying, but how can you tell Jay Jackson with the way that he's pitched for this team and not just in this current stint, but throughout the season, but yep. you know, especially last year, how can you option him? Like, what are you saying to the rest of the team? You're just saying, we're just so desperate that we're going to take this guy who's clearly get able to get big outs for us. Uh, and we're going to send him down just to, to get some fresh meat up here. I, I, I just think that's the wrong message on a number of fronts. And like, if it was absolutely dire where, you know, you had five, four or five guys or half the bullpens down and you, you can't cover the game. Okay. Well, you know, that's a little bit different, but I think that it would have had to have been that kind of situation uh, for you to send Jay Jackson down. And look, all things being equal, I mean, the Blue Jays were fine yesterday, right? I mean, you know, a four-run lead in the ninth inning to Eric Swanson, even on the fourth, you know, fourth outing in six days, that should be enough most of the time. Uh, it wasn't. Baseball, baseball is really weird and dumb sometimes, and yeah. it was last night. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think you can I, – I, I wouldn't second-guess that at all. And I do think, like, Jay Jackson has clearly showed that he deserves to be on this team and that he's got some quality to give, you know, could normalize over time for sure. He's going to have some blips, you would expect. But, you know, the, for what he's been able to do for this team at different points, you know, the, in, he should be in the Mitch White roster spot, and if the Blue Jays can find a way to, you know, find, a work, find some sort of workaround for Mitch White, you know, then you can upgrade that. And whether that's Chad Green eventually returning from the injured list or some trade deadline acquisition, I'd expect that that's something that the Blue Jays address in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and yeah, you mentioned Chad Green, and, and eventually they're going to find a way to get Mitch White off this roster. And everybody, all the, the contenders are going to be looking for arms, and, and we've seen the Blue Jays go out and acquire bullpen arms at the deadline. I mean, they've done a pretty good job off the waiver wire in early returns off Genesis Cabrera as well. But I do, like, you look at this bullpen, and despite the blips over the the first five games of this this road trip, like, the bullpen seems good. Like the, it, it really doesn't feel like it's a huge Achilles heel for, for this team. How much improvement does this team need out of the bullpen? Look, you can never have enough, right? And, you know, a big part of the bullpen's recent performance has been Jimmy Garcia's return to form. And that has been really, really important in terms of deepening out the eighth inning. And, you know, so much of the pressure that was on Eric Swanson early was because Jimmy Garcia hadn't been quite right. And his reset was important. And if Chad Green can be a reasonable facsimile of his former self, then do you have to go out and spend your prospect capital on that? Or can you better allocate resources elsewhere? You know, I think at that point, it's a reasonable question. And, you know, Genesis Cabrera is certainly interesting and the stuff is unreal. Uh, the splits, are something, especially this year, although they're not as, not nearly as pronounced over the course of his career, but mm-hmm. this season the right-left splits are very extreme, and that's something that the Blue Jays will have to watch for to see if that's something he's, he's found a workaround for. But to me, it's, it's trying to build out depth unless you can add elite impact. There's no point sort of adding another good, not great arm, because you, you've got that. So if you if you can add someone who's going to make a real impact, then to me, I think you're better off using your prospect capital, trying to bolster the offense. And you know, in an ideal world, and, and this is difficult too. You know, Mitch White going sideways is certainly underlining the challenges there. But trying to find a starter that 
he has has an option that he can move up and down in case uh, of an emergency. Uh, so Dalton Varsho doesn't get the start yesterday, ends up getting into the game as a defensive replacement, then en- ends up getting in at bat in, in extra innings, uh, of course, as you know, Blue Jays were very hopeful <laughs> that that game was not going to extra innings and they would not see a Dalton Varsho at bat, but he did end up getting one. Whit Merrifield, the leadoff man with no George Springer in the lineup. I, I posited, and, and Varsho's back in there today, day off for Kevin Kiermaier, who's playing center field. To me, like, there's one, like, obvious area of need for this team. I mean, overall, it's it's offense. But, like, if you're just going to pick position by position, it's offense out of left field. And I understand that Dalton Varsho is not a one-dimensional player. And what you've got defensively out of him has been great, great, great. But this team needs to score runs. That's a higher priority item than the defense in left field. And we saw with Merrifield make a nice little catch in left field. It's not like he's uh, Chris Colabello out there. What, what what would you say to my idea of like maybe cutting down on the Dalton Varsho playing time? Well, I would look at it as there are a few different ways to add offense, and a lot of that bats in left field is certainly one way. But if you sort of just look at it, just say, well, you can just re- rotate around the outfield a little bit, right? So mm-hmm. maybe you have Varsho and Kiermaier splitting duties a bit in center field. So that way you're keeping Kevin Kiermaier fresh and you're not putting too much on him physically and maybe breaking him down. Uh, you know, the, they're, that's certainly one obvious spot. And then you can also say, well, maybe it's a little bit at second base too, where, you know, it's Whit Merrifield playing in the outfield a little bit more often, and then you're getting some second base too. But those are the two areas where they're, to me, the most flexibility. And if you look at the market and, you know, I, I know there's some stuff out there that maybe the Cubs keep them because uh, maybe that's a, it's a longer-term relationship there. But, you know, Cody Bellinger is yeah. in a lot of ways ideal. It's not, not going to be easy to acquire. Uh, the Blue Jays did have interest in him last offseason. He ended up signing with the Cubs. But the, I think where the Blue Jays are at right now, and they're both sort of looking at what the market realities are going to be and sort of what is the best use of whatever prospect capital they spend. And there's, at least going into this week, it had been some debate. Are you fine with sort of a part-time right-handed bat that, you know, limits some uh, platoon disadvantage situations with your center, uh, with, with Varsho and Kiermaier, uh, and add some impact at DH, who, you know, maybe partners with Brandon Belt a little bit? Or do you try to find something maybe a bit more significant where you're going to get, uh, you know, so you're going to maybe devote more regular at bats to to the, that acquisition. I think that's part of the debate. It's part of what's going on right now between, uh, you know, do you, do you go big in the bullpen? Do you go big in the rotation? Where do you where do you kind of concentrate the impact? And I think that's partly going to be again based on where the Blue Jays ultimately decide this is where we can best help our team, and also what the trade market presents. Mm-hmm. To me, it's it's uh, offense. Like, uh, and I I get it. You. Unless, you know, you're adding, like, a Justin Verlander who maybe looks closer to the, the Justin Verlander the Mets thought they were getting and after starting the season with the injury. But, like, outside of that, like, super high-impact arm, I, I think they're good on arms. It's just the, the offense has, has let them down time after time after time. I and mean, I know that's silly to say after they scored seven runs and blew a four-run lead in the ninth inning. But, yeah, watch the games. Watch, watch, the, the, season, watch the season as a whole. I mean, as the offense is also, man... And I, I don't even know if there's a question here. I was just going to talk about it uh, by myself after I was done with you. But my, I, Espinal, again, in in the ninth inning, you know, has a brain cramp, decides to stop playing baseball for whatever reason. Kevin Kiermaier gets thrown out 
uh, in the 10th inning at the plate with only one out. Blue Jays' total inability seemingly to score runs from third base with fewer than two outs, the second-worst team in baseball at doing it. It just – this team doesn't play winning baseball, Shy. Like, just, like, straight up. Like, I, I, I don't know how else to put it than this team for the entirety of the season, which is now more than 100 games – has not strung together like even back-to-back games of smart baseball. I would disagree to some to some extent with what you just said because there were stretches in April and stretches in in June where you would say, yeah, they are playing smart baseball and smart baseball that allowed them to win games. I think what where you kind of point to is just the inconsistency with it, and that is certainly what's been frustrating and obviously that showed up in at different points you think about some of the the tight games against the that that bad stretch against new york and boston excuse me new york and baltimore uh where you're like what happened to this team and uh it has weird it's had ugly moments but you know on the flip side i do think if this team just hits sort of league average with runners in scoring position Mm. then are we having this discussion do you know what I mean? I think a lot of things get magnified when you don't score, and a lot of things they do from an offensive perspective. You know, they're they're in the upper upper echelon of the league, the upper third of the league. So the one glaring thing is the hitting with runners in scoring position. It, it also translates into the fundamentals of hitting with uh, runners in a runner a third and less than two outs. And what is that? I don't know. We've been talking about it all year long. Mm-hmm. We're saying, oh, numbers will normalize. Number is normalized. And maybe this is just a dumb year where <laughs> that's an aberration. But maybe it's not. Maybe it will normalize. And we, we, we've seen that happen over the past couple of years where we've had similar discussions about the Blue Jays leading into July, August. And yep. then they've taken off in the final two months. So. It can, it can happen very quickly. Like, yeah, last two months, like last year, I've, there's been years where it's happened in one month, right? Like September, yeah. you you go off. Right. I mean, Bobochet changed the entire narrative of his season in a month and a half last year. Yeah, and look, I think this team, not just for fans, not just for people coming to the lake, but I think for the front office and, and the players themselves, like it's, it's a bit of a confounding club, yeah. right? Because yes. All these pieces should be meshing together and should see more seamless baseball and that it hasn't happened on a consistent basis for whatever reason has been so hit and miss hot and cold over the past three years. It's, it's very bizarre. Yep. It's very frustrating. <laughs> it's very annoying. All right. Uh, back to the trade deadline for a second. And I, I said in jest the, the Shohei Otani thing, but like, what am I supposed to do when Jeff Passon throws him in there as like the third team that he's hearing most linked to Shohei Otani. And I, listen, Chai, you've covered this team long enough to know that, yeah, that there's the rumors always abound when it comes to this team. And it does seem like the, a lot of the Japanese players get uh, attached to the Blue Jays in rumor, but that's usually, usually during the posting and free agency process. But okay, just Otani specifically, is there is there a trade scenario that makes sense for you if he, in fact, does become available? I mean, I can't imagine a price that would not be very damaging for the Blue Jays. I, I think that, look, if you're, every team wants to sign Shohei Otani long-term. The Blue Jays, and I'm not sure whether perhaps his opinions could, his opinions could certainly have evolved or, or outlook could have evolved, but the Blue Jays didn't even get to the second round, uh, to the 
to the, the, the second round with him last time when he narrowed his choices down to eight teams. And they were very surprised that he didn't include them into the final eight that he'd consider. And does that mean that he's sort of ruled out Toronto? Like the, the impression is that he's going to stay on the West Coast. Uh, a lot of people believe he's going to be in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, can the Blue Jays put together a package for two months of Shohei Otani that does not utterly destroy their farm system? Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and be competitive with other offers. I think that's the other thing. So I'd, I'd have my doubts on both. I don't, you know, it would be very out of character to what we've seen from this front office to put together that type of package for a rental player, even one as incredible as Shohei Otani. And then I'm still skeptical that Shohei Otani is going to move. And I know a lot of people are, but you know, Perry Manassian, the GM there, he's programmed to win. If the Angels are even sniffing at it, I would see him trying to do everything possible to maximize the opportunity, knowing they're going to get Mike Trout back at some point in August mm. and then be able to perhaps really take off. Uh, and then Artie Moreno, I don't think, is as intent or, uh, on surrendering Otani as people might think. And I've had people say to me that you know, Moreno is – is going to really go after Shohei hard and that we shouldn't discount that. So I'm, I'm not putting very much stock in any of that stuff. Like if you're, if you're a contending team and you're not checking and you're not constantly asking about it, you're not doing your job, but I'm not sure the Blue Jays have the chips to play at that table. I traded Vlad for him yesterday. I, I mean, yeah, contingent on, like, you're, you're going to do everything it takes to sign him. Like, maybe you get, like, a, a three-day window to, to try and sign him to extension. I traded Vlad for Shohei yesterday. Congrats to me. Uh, Blue Jays fans should be very glad that you're not the general, general manager. Oh, why? Because, oh, Vlad's better than Shohei? No, because <laughs> you're trading two years plus the opportunity to extend Vlad for two months of Shohei. No, I'm going to, and then I'm going to offer him $700 million. Again, the, the Blue Jay Blue Jay fans should be very thankful you're not the general man. <laughs> yeah, I, man, uh, okay. We don't have to continue down this path, but I, I'm right and you and everybody else is wrong. But, uh, Shai, it's great to, to hear from you again. Uh, we'll talk again soon. I mean, it has been great to hear from you, Ben, until the very end. So. <laughs> see you, buddy. Well, well, yeah, hang in there, bud. We'll talk to you. <laughs> right, see ya. There's Shai Davidi. Sober second thought. I mean, sober first thought, too, right? Like, you don't get a drunk first thought from Chai. That's my job. And then Chai takes a poop all over it. Um, as I, I stand by my take. Trade Vlad for Shohei. Give him the bag. Whatever it takes. Back channel conversations about even his willingness to, to sign in Toronto. But that's, that's a, a point that I'm glad Chai brought up, that in the initial round of bidding for Shohei Otani when he first came over from Japan. Blue Jays did not end up in the uh, final eight. All right, before we take a break, I want to once again revisit the dumbest team in Major League Baseball, the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, I can mean that in, in a multitude of different ways. I guess the first is that, boy, they're confounding, aren't they? Like, they got good players, got a pretty good starting rotation, bullpen's good. Man, there's some metrics that tell you the bullpen's been really good as far as performing in the clutch and Strikeout rate is up and yada, yada, yada. And boy, rotation outside of Alec Manoa's start to the season, and we'll see if he's normalized, been really, really good. They've had no injuries, none. 
second fewest man games lost due to injury in all of Major League Baseball. And still, and I know they're 10 games over 500, but still, they, they don't live up to their potential day in, day out. And Chai's right. Some of that is hitting with runners in scoring position. And when you have a top 10 batting average and a bottom, uh, top 10 batting average overall and a bottom five with runners in scoring position, that don't make no sense. Eventually, that's going to normalize. But while it's not, you can't just throw games away, which they do so damn often. Because this team is dumb. And we get dumb plays, dumb decisions from players who are not dumb, but they put on a Blue Jays uniform, they turn dumb. Like Kevin Kiermaier, smart baseball player. That guy plays smart baseball. What the hell are you doing? Twofold. One, trying to score on a base hit from Bo Bichette with, with fewer than two outs in extra innings. And two, trying the hook slide instead of sliding right into home plate where, you know, that could have been the difference between safe and out. Santiago Espinal, smart baseball player, good defender. Guy figured the only path to him being a regular major leaguer was through the strength of his defense. And by and large, that's why he arrived. And then he had that, that great little start offensively last year. Ended up being an all-star, by the way, season ago. And then I, I think we know what he is, like a bl slightly below average offensive player. But he can play multiple positions. And he's got his head in the game, except for yesterday. What the hell's going on? Play smart baseball for once in your life. I get it. Yes, you're right. Shy's right. Magnifying glass comes out when you don't score runs, when you're not hitting with runners in scoring position, when your bullpen's beat up and you blow a four-run lead. So what? I mean, to, to make matters even worse, I mean, really the only reason I continue to harp on this is because the Blue Jays were harping on it and because it was an issue last year and because it was like a clear point of emphasis in the offseason. And it was the number one thing coming out of John Schneider's mouth in February. What an annoying baseball team. Figure it out. Play smart for nine innings once in your life. Holy cow. What an annoying baseball team. Anyways, <laughs> they did score a run on a sacrifice fly, actually, to open up the ball game. They were one for one, scoring runners on, uh, from third base with fewer than two outs to start the game, uh, and then not. Yeah, okay, they, they, they scored a run in the eighth inning thanks to the Alejandro Kirk RBI double, scored the Matt Chapman walk. Uh, Alejandro Kirk, at that point, was pinch run for by Danny Jansen, and boy, that, that paid dividends because he had a big double in the ninth inning, but you have a chance to add on at that point. Runner on second, none out. Strikeout, strikeout, walk, strikeout. That's what this team does. Play dumb baseball. They do not play fundamentally sound baseball at all. Play pretty good outfield defense. That's about it. Pretty good defense at third base. Too dumb, too often. Figure it out. All right, when we come back, uh, Dodgers have figured it out, despite the fact this was supposed to be like a down year for them. First in the NL West, as they always are. Second in the National League overall. Let's talk to Adrian Gonzalez, former Dodgers first baseman, currently a Dodgers broadcaster. He joins me next as the fan drive time continues. I'm Ben Ennis, Sportsnet 590, the fan. 
Unrivaled insight, analysis, and opinions on all things Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. I'm Ben Ennis. Blue Jays and Dodgers coming your way in uh, less than 30 minutes' time. Yusei Kikuchi on the mound against Tony Gonsolin in the rubber match of the three-game series. Blue Jays trying to escape this six-game road trip and even three and three. And the Blue Jays are hanging around, still in that third and final wild-card spot in the American League. The lead only down to a game and a half, though, over the Red Sox. They've... As mentioned, lost only the second fewest games to IL in baseball despite having Hunjin Ryu and Chad Green unavailable all season long. Dodgers have lost the second most games to injury this season. But boy, what a season they're having. Four games up in the NL West, second best record in the National League. And this was supposed to be a step back season. Let's talk to Adrian Gonzalez, Dodgers broadcaster, five-time All-Star first baseman. Adrian, thanks for doing this. How's it going? I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Uh, so explain the Dodgers to me because, you know, this, we're used to this, this team outspending everybody being number one in payroll. They're, they're, they're not. They're fifth in payroll in Major League Baseball, and the, the Mets are well above everybody. We know how that's going. Um, and yet they've, they've managed to, to look like their old selves here. How, how has it happened for this Dodgers team? Uh, well, I mean, the first thing is that, you know, they have a ton of talent. They have guys that have been around that have done it you have when you have Mookie Betts Freddie Freeman J.D. Martinez Will Smith at the top of your order you know you have guys that are proven to to have great seasons both offensively and defensively and great leaders in the clubhouse um, secondly you have some really good pitching with Julio Rios and Kershaw and Gonsolin who's pitching tonight um, and the rest of the guys that were around you, you know you had Dustin May that got hurt uh and you have Walker, Walker really coming back. But, you know, the, the talent is there. You've always had a good, good, good group of uh, arms in the bullpen. And they, they have a great farm system. You know, the farm system's incredible. And, uh, you know, the, you just have talent all around. The team, the team maybe didn't spend in the offseason, um, but it was good to be able to give the young kids, the rookies, a shot to go out there and, and, and show what they can do at the big league level. And we've seen some really good stuff out of, out of Emma Sheehan and Bobby Miller and James Salmon. You know, Miguel Vargas struggled, and he's in AAA now, but he's got a, he's got a ton of potential in the future. So, you, you know, you, you got to give these guys a chance to see, see what they can do. Yeah, James Altman was a Blue Jays killer yesterday, three for three on base uh, five times. Uh, yes, Dodgers team has, has managed to, to bust through um, despite all the, the injuries. Is there a better one-two in a lineup than Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. I was looking up the, the Fangraphs war leaders. Those guys are two and four at, at the top of, of all of Major League Baseball. Is there a better combo in baseball atop a lineup? I don't think there is, to be honest. I mean, you know, you talk about potential MVP candidates, and, you know, they're right at the top. I think, I believe right now they're two and three in the National League. And when you have two teammates that continually go out there day in and day out and, and, and provide a spark, provide an offense, provide that energy and that leadership in the clubhouse. Um, you know, you, you, you have a winning formula. I mean, you know, this isn't the NBA where you can win a championship with two players, but th- these are guys that can help you 
you know, get to the playoffs and, and, and go beyond in the playoffs, go deep into the playoffs, just on, just on having the two of them. And then you add some pieces around them, you know, you're going to have a great team. I wonder also if they enjoy, like, the Dodgers are never going to be an underdog. But like I said, the expectations were a little different this season. And then the the Diamondbacks got off to such a great start. Do you, do you think they kind of enjoyed maybe having some of that pressure taken off them to start the season? I don't think they, they ever felt the pressure being taken off because they know what, what team they have and, and, and capabilities. And, you know, from the beginning, they, they never said, oh, we're not going to win this year. They're, they knew they were, they were going to be in there. They knew they were going to be in the race. Um, you know, they felt like they they had the best team in the NL West, and uh, you know, yeah, the, the other teams have have had a, you know a, a good start, and and the NL West is deep this year. But at the end of the day, you put you put the experience of of that clubhouse, the organization, you put you know those veteran guys and those leaders in in, in a team over the course of 162 games. They're gonna they're gonna stay even keeled. They're gonna take care of business, and they're gonna. They're not going to panic when things aren't going going right, and, and, and they're not going to get too high when things are going great. Yeah, that's the part I'm interested in uh, when it comes to this Dodgers team in comparison to the Blue Jays, because the Blue Jays have lots of talent on paper, and yeah, they're in a playoff spot, but man, it, it really doesn't feel like they've lived up to to the talent level that they, they currently have, and, and this Dodgers team, it, it feels like there's, there's just something different. Um, from an outsider's perspective, and yeah, a team that that never gives up, that's able to come back from down four runs in the ninth inning. How real is that, and how impactful can that be? Well, first, let me say I love the Blue Jays roster. Um, you know, you I've been watching the, the, these last two games, and they have a very deep lineup. You know, guys that can do different things, uh, very good pitchers. Um, if they could add a piece in the bullpen, and and possibly you know have a Hunjin Rio come back and and be be what he was here in L.A. Uh, you know, that team's got potential to, to go deep in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, within the Dodgers, the the thing about it is that because the team's been winning, the organization's been winning for such a long time, there is a sense of confidence no matter what that that team is, is able to compete, able to come back, able to win every, every game that they're out there. And there is no letdown. There is no sense of, oh, we can let this one slip away. It's okay. You know, there there is a, a a culture that has been cultivated since, you know, 2013 that has continued to grow, and the the right pieces have been added by Andrew Friedman, and and that that culture it just creates a winning mentality and a winning attitude. You, you mentioned Hunjin Ryu, who got his due yesterday before the game and got to wave to the crowd. He's not going to pitch, obviously, in this series. He's Probably not even going to pitch in the next series, but um, he's going to be activated soon coming off Tommy John surgery. He's a former teammate of yours. Uh, people talk about how great yeah. a teammate he is. Uh, can you speak to that, Adrian? Yeah, I mean, I love Hunjin. Um, so he is he is a fun character. He's a fun guy, you know, always laughing, always smiling, you know, just just happy happy to be out in the field and you know when he gets on the mound you know he knows where that ball's going and he can manipulate so um me and hunjin we would go out every road trip and either go to a korean barbecue <laughs> place or a mexican place and just you know when we're on the road we love going to 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 eat at different places and you know just really good friendships all around and uh and so he's to me he was one of, one of my favorite teammates for sure. Yeah, people talk about him uh, that way. So yeah, you got your former teammate, and then you got a guy from your hometown. I know not born in Tijuana, but that's where where you were raised. And Alejandro Kirk. I mean that that's got to be a, a pretty tight knit community. How many how many players in Major League history have been from Tijuana? 
Um, yeah, you know, it's probably been, it's probably around twenty twenty players that have been in the big leagues out of Tijuana in, in the history of baseball. Uh, Tijuana is a pretty big hotbed for for, for baseball. Um, you know, they're in the Little League World Series right now. The the, the team from the Little League that we all played in. Um, so it's uh, you know it's it's a lot of fun to see to see Alejandro Kirk out there and and playing and doing his thing. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, I mean, having a guy you know come up and and, and you know be in the major leagues from the same city, the same the same little league that we all played in. We all grew up learning the game of baseball in. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's, all, it's, it's great to see uh, Alejandro do well. Was he a guy that you were charting his progress? Because, like, it, it even for Blue Jays fans, he kind of just uh, came out of nowhere a, a couple of years ago uh, during the pandemic season and then became an all-star last year and kind of refining his, his offensive form recently. But was he a guy that was, was on your radar coming out of Tijuana, or, or has he just kind of exceeded expectations at every point? Um, you know what? He's a guy that we all, you know, being from Tijuana, being being from the little league and everything, we all hear about every every player that that, that signs out of there uh, and, and goes into professional baseball. And so, you know, I've been following him, and uh, you know, I didn't know much about him when he signed, other than the fact that he had, you know, great skills, uh, you know, good catcher, bat to ball skills, contact, um, and he has just kind of continued to get better each and every year as he was going through the minor leagues and. And and now you know he's obviously in, you know been an all star last year so it's, it's great to see and it's great to see his trajectory and you know he still has those qualities that he had as a kid where he's a great catcher you know good communicator great bat to ball skills puts the ball in play doesn't strike out much um, you know which is which is great to see but yeah he's he, he's a guy that kind of he he was always there uh, mm. but he's gotten a lot better over the last five years yeah it certainly has I mean what is the state of Mexican baseball I know he was dying to play in the World Baseball Classic and. You know, due to the birth of a child, like obviously that 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 set everything back. But that uh, and and Mexico, yeah, landed on Canada uh, at the World Baseball Classic. What is uh, what is the state of Mexican baseball in your opinion right now? Um, you know, it, it, as it's always been, there's a ton of talent. It's a matter of developing it. It's you know the the whole contract situations because in Mexico you you, you cannot sign like a Dominican player or a Puerto Rican player where. Right. You just sign directly as a free agent. You have to sign through a professional team. You know, all those little loopholes that are that are in there make it a lot harder for a Mexican player to sign and go to minor league baseball in the U.S. So a lot of them go through the Mexican system first. Um, and so you, you're not able to develop that talent, talent at 16. Like, you know, Dominican or Puerto Rican or uh, I, I shouldn't say Puerto Rican, Dominican, Venezuelan player. Um, they sign at 16. They go to minor leagues and they start they start learning and, and developing and, 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 and uh, you know through the U.S. to the MLB system. In Mexico, that doesn't really happen. They they have to go through the Mexican league teams and mm. the development in, in, in those places isn't as great. Um, you know, just the work ethic isn't there, and and so they don't develop as quickly. And uh, you know, it makes it a little bit harder. But it, there's a ton of talent, some great pitching. Um, you know, it's 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 the same as it's always been. I would say. Is there a solution to the, the problems you're talking about? Uh, yeah, if MLB was to just just announce that every player in Mexico can sign directly and not have to sign through an MLB team, and and the MLB the the Mexican League teams wouldn't cancel out the players that they sign directly because you know the way it is right now, if they sign directly, they're not allowed to go back and play in Mexico if they were to be released in the U.S. So. Mm. Um, you know, it's just those, 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 those little things. And, you know, MLB can do something about it if they wanted to. 
mm. something I hadn't considered. Um, but yeah, obviously that's something you're you're pretty uh, well versed in and passionate about. I, I do want to ask you about uh, Vlad Jr. a little bit. I mean, you're you're a four time Gold Glover. Vlad won his first a, a season ago. We've seen a little bit of a letdown defensively this year, especially by the metrics. And boy, well, it would have been nice to have seen him uh, make that play in the ninth inning. Uh, yesterday, eventually the the game tying run scoring. I mean, what what it, what makes you a consistent defender at first base, and and what have you seen in in your brief time watching Vlad in, in these first two games of the series defensively? Well, Vlad's got great hands. That's one thing you know you can see that you know his his ability to just have really good hands and um, that ability is there. I think one thing this year that kind of changed things on on a lot of infielders that I'm seeing is with the elimination of the shifts, uh, players have to move around more, and they have to cover more space. And I've seen a lot, a lot of regression from players that were very good at, catch, at being positioned through the shift um, and not having to, to cover a ton of space. And, uh, and so I think, I think one of the things is, is, is to get back to doing the right drills, to move your feet and be able to move left and right uh, that those drills were kind of taken away with the shift because everybody was on top of each other. And, um, and so I, I think the biggest thing is, is to get back to, to moving and, and getting your feet moving and being able to put yourself in the right position to, to make the plays. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I think like everything, you know, in order to be a, a consistent defender at any position, you just have to work hard at it and make sure you don't limit yourself on, on, on the ability to, to, to move, move left and right. No, it's a great, great point. There's a, like an obvious reason why you might see a defensive regression, uh, and it's right there in the rules. Uh, before I let you go, Adrian, um, so, you know, the the trade deadline's Tuesday. All anybody wants to talk about is Shohei Otani, including me. Uh, and, and in fact, Shohei Otani and, and the Angels are going to be in Toronto uh, for a series over the weekend. Shohei's going to start in his final start before the uh, trade deadline on Friday. There are these reports that that he wants to stay on the West Coast, and obviously the Dodgers have have deep pockets. Do you, do you believe if he becomes available that the Dodgers are going to be all in on on trying to acquire him before the deadline? Well, there is one really big factor in place here is the fact that JD Martinez is the DH for the Dodgers, and he is an All Star, and he's having an incredible year. He's a big factor in the clubhouse and in the culture that the team has right now. And if you were to get Shohei Otani, that means one of them has to play the DH position and the other one has to play in the field. Mm. And so that makes it a very complicated situation for the Dodgers to trade for him. Not saying it cannot happen, but something has to be worked out where one of them has to play in the field or, you know, they can't both play DH. So, um, you know, that is the only factor I see that is prohibiting or limiting the trade from happening. Otherwise, the Dodgers have every single prospect that the angels and they have the ability to make that trade happen. Yeah. It almost feels like they took this step back in, in payroll for like the expressed purpose of this off season, giving everything they possibly have to show a Otani. Does it like I'd be, and you're right to talk about JD Martinez's, uh, I guess bounce back season because he wasn't quite this in his final season with the Red Sox, but does it not feel like the, the Dodgers, if they don't trade for him, if the Angels hold on to him and he reaches free agency, that the Dodgers are going to be the number one suitor for him in free agency? I mean, I think the writing's in front of you, so you can see you can see how it's all been set up for for 
for something like this to happen. So this is it going to happen? Nobody knows, but um, it's all set up for it. Yeah, it sure is. Adrian, uh, appreciate the time. Enjoy the game this afternoon. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate you too. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez, Dodgers broadcaster, five-time All-Star first baseman, and a four-time gold glover, and a guy that obviously opened my eyes to something I hadn't considered before, but should have, because it's obvious. Okay, so um, Vlad is a fine defender. He's not like, ain't no butcher over there. He's not the gold glover we saw a season ago, and the numbers would suggest as much. So here are the Major League Baseball ranks in defensive runs saved by position. Blue Jays getting great defense out of the catcher position. Despite the fact that Alejandro Kirk's offense is down, Danny Jansen's been legit, man. Holy cow, he's got like the 11th most played appearances on the team. He's third in the, on the team in, in RBIs. But the defense has been great. They're tied for fourth. Defensive run saved at the catcher position. Shortstop, Bovichet, perfectly cromulent there defensively. Tied for 13th. Third base, Matt Chapman, you know he's going to be near the top of uh, any defensive leaderboard. Tied for second in defensive run saved at third base. The outfield defense, I was the number one reason Blue Jays went out and acquired Kevin Kiermaier, Dalton Varsho. Left field, their second. Center field, their first, because Kevin Kiermaier is like vintage out there. And when he's not in there, Dalton Varsho was the leader last season in outs above average. And he plays there. So they've been really good in left field, center field. Right field, less so. George Springer's getting up there. 16th. At first base, they're tied for 28th. At second base, they're 30th. And this from Blue Jay Central producer Chris Black. No team converts grounders hit to first and second base into outs less often than the Jays this season. It's the lowest rate the Jays have ever had in the 16 seasons. StatCast can track this data, and it would be the third lowest rate ever put up over a full season. That is remarkable, remarkable stuff. Holy cow. So you, you, you definitely improved the outfield defense. That was uh, an area that you, you seek to improve. You did it. Well done. A lot of those balls that would have... Touch green a season ago, ending up in fielder's gloves. In Dalton Varsho and Kevin Kiermaier in the left side of the outfield especially. And, yeah, eye test would tell you that George Springer's been more than good enough in right field. That's The, the Blue Jays are the worst defensive team, certainly among contenders, on the right side of the infield. You know what happens on the right side of the infield? Lots. <laughs> Balls get hit over there a whole lot. Like a pretty significant one yesterday that scored two runs, an infield single. And, and that feels like a one-off, but the numbers are telling you it's not. That's got to improve. So for, for those of you that are talking about, hey, Vlad, you know, he's, I know, I know he's only got an 800 OPS and he's only going to hit 20, 25 home runs this season and the on-base is only going to be like 330. But he plays great. No, he doesn't. Not anymore. I mean, have you watched the the Blue Jays this season and said, "Boy, there's there's the Gold Glover at first base all that often." Like, they're they're not plays. There's not obvious plays that aren't made by Vlad. But Adrian told you all you need to know is that it's about mobility now. You have to be mobile. First basemen have to cover more ground now that there is no shift, which is obvious. Again, 
And it's not all about scooping balls in the dirt. That's part of it, saving throwing errors from your third baseman. But it's about getting two baseballs. He almost got to the one in the ninth inning yesterday. Didn't, though. Deflects off his glove, ends up in the lap of Santiago Espinal, who decided to take a nap, uh, and the Blue Jays lost the game. That's, I, I got to say, jarring, shocking number. All right. Before we send you out to uh, the ballpark at Dodger Stadium, let's uh, get you a lineup. George Springer back in there after the day off. And uh, John Schneider, a man of his word, talking about getting the regulars a little time off before this road trip is over. He's back in there leading off, playing right field. Uh, Bo Bichette in his customary second spot at shortstop. Brandon Bell, DH today. Vladdy at first base. Matt Chapman at third, so nothing different there. Whit Merrifield in left field. Dalton Varsho back in the starting lineup and playing center field as Kevin Kiermeyer gets the day off today, despite uh, the righty on the hill. Danny Jansen, he's doing the catching today. Kevin Biggio playing second base, trying to improve on what are some horrible defensive numbers at second base and first base for the Blue Jays today. Yusei Kikuchi on the mound. Trying to follow up what I think was his best start of the year. Cut short because... John Schneider thought he could rest his bullpen after game one of that Mariners series. Turns out that that was like kind of the start of everything. Kuchi gets to throw 100 pitches on Friday. Who knows how the rest of the weekend plays out? Who knows how the first two games of this series play out? Got to think that the leash is going to be a little bit longer on Mr. Kikuchi today, trying to get a series victory, trying to split a six-game road trip to, uh, this afternoon. Blue Jays and Dodgers coming your way in mere moments. It is Ben Schulman. Chris LaRue with the call. I'm Ben Ennis. We'll be back tomorrow. This has been the Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.